The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. the Fulhamish podcast your independent voice of Fulham FC my name's Sammy James and welcome to the show brought to you by the Athletic UK and it is the Thursday club looking back at Fulham's 4-1 victory on the road up at Birmingham City the ship was derailed wasn't it a little bit on Saturday at Blackpool but Fulham fully back to winning ways last night and an interesting performance we'll come on to it uh, lots to discuss big debut for Nathaniel Chalabur and a brilliant performance from Harry Wilson a commanding presence from Tolson Adarabayo at the back it was just all round a great performance and a great great away day uh, and is the Thursday club so I'm joined by Peter Rutzler hey Sammy how are you fine thank you uh, we've all had uh, late ones getting back from the match last night, uh, including my guest today, who is making his debut on the Thursday Club, George Cooper. Hello. Hello, yeah. You, you all right, Sammy? Bleary-eyed, I see. Yes, a little bit bleary-eyed. Um, it's been a, a long trip back from Birmingham. I'm yet to shower. I feel disgusting. Um, but hey, that's the fun. That's the fun of following Fulham away, isn't it? Um, Coops, it was a great evening, wasn't it, up in Birmingham? No, oh, it was top-notch. We took the, the scenic rattler up to um up to Birmingham it was um that was great start to finish you know never felt in doubt and how often can we say that about a Fulham performance but really good turnout from our traveling support atmosphere was was brilliant it was uh yeah well worth the trip exactly well let's do some three word reviews from last night Coops uh what they saying sure thing we've got some really good ones actually I was very impressed so we've got Ian McCabe with back to business obviously alluding to the anomaly result uh our previous match against Blackpool. We've got uh, regular face Richard Bamber, ruthless, not dominant. Uh, nice. Jimmy, be good. Brum, motoring again. Quite like that one. There's a few uh, Brum kind of motoring puns in there. Nice. Uh, we've got Silly Butty with Peaky Fulham Blinders. It was uh, always <laughs> bound to be a nod to the. There was the a hits. chart last night which was just you can stick your Peaky Blinders up your ass. I, <laughs> yeah. like, I was just like, it's quite uncalled for, but I quite liked it. <laughs> It was sort of inevitable, that association. Uh, this one was very clever. It works better written down, so maybe it'll be one uh, that you can check out yourself. But Con Bugler, the, the Breakfast Club, so the Breakfast Club. Very good. Split with a hyphen, thought it was very good. World Mobile, our uh, Fulham FC's partners, uh, came in with a corporate three-word review with proud principal partner, which I thought was <laughs> nice, but I've never never seen that before. Is that uh, Spawn, mate? You just, have, you been, have you been slipped a bit of money to say that one? No, not at all. Not at all you have, haven't you? World Mobile have tapped you up and gone like, give us a three-word review, mate. Keep, keep it quiet, Sammy, please. Sorry. 200 quid. <laughs> so Levi Davis with Trillion Tosin Tackles. There were a few uh, nods to Tosin's amazing performance. Um, massive Mitro, uh, who, who Let's not forget, 27 today. Happy birthday, Mitrovic. This isn't Happy his birthday. official account, obviously, but uh, the account, Massive Mitra, said Tosin header party. Nice. Uh, the Magic Mods popped up with Brum and Dusted. Liked that one. Um, how we do it. Birmingham's Blackpool backlash. And then finally, Brandon Arnold with Sound the Horn. Am I allowed to? Peter, Peter, I'm going to leave this to you. You can't ask me. I'm, I'm supposed to be relatively impartial, so... I can't, I can't be, I can't be dictating when the horn is blown. I can enjoy George. it when it is. George. I say, I say, sound the horn, mate. All aboard! What are you pressing there? You're pressing it quite aggressively. You have to put a bit of weight behind it, don't you? I mean, that's just for emphasis. I could, I could just tap it, and it. <laughs> <laughs> 
and it plays but you know I, I like to <laughs> I like to give it some emphasis alright then let's come on to the game then uh, none of that foghorn nonsense Peter uh, you were obviously up at St Andrews last night as well as us uh, what did you make of the game? Uh, yeah it was um, certainly making up for the lack of goals of last season that's for sure aren't we um, another really impressive performance I thought we saw the value of, of Harry Wilson to the team uh, I think it's his movement uh, it's his vision, the way he links up, the the way he finds space. I think it's just so, so effective. Um, I didn't think Fulham controlled the game. I don't think they dominated the game. I thought Birmingham were good value. They they really pushed Fulham. Um, they made things difficult. They created opportunities. Never really created anything that was, well, towards the end of the game they did, I suppose. But overall, I wouldn't say that, they, that Fulham appeared under threat or, or the result appeared in any kind of, Jeopardy, of course, it helps scoring early. But um, Fulham had a clear plan about what they wanted to do. They wanted to exploit the spaces between the central defenders and the wingbacks. Marcus Silva spoke about that afterwards as well. Um, and Harry Wilson just just reveled in that. I mean, when, when Fulham found him in those spaces, he was too quick, he was too sharp. Not necessarily because he's he's a quick player, but he just thinks quicker than, than everyone else. And... Um, uh, and and that that was the difference really, and, and of course having someone like Mitrovic who looks looks so happy when he plays. I mean, after he scored the second goal away, where went over to the fans. You guys would have had a better view than than I did of of, of him there um, from the press box, but he just looks like he's enjoying himself. I mean, I haven't seen him do a forty yard recovery before, recovery run like that. And um, I mean, it just everything seems to bode well at the moment. It's a really strong debut for Nat Chalabar, um, and that's exactly what you want after Blackpool. Um, just when people start asking questions for the first time, what's going on here? Is it just a blip? Is there something else? Um, can, can, uh, for me, I was wondering whether Fulham would be able to maintain their sort of high standards with games coming thick and fast and not necessarily rotating, which seemed to be what happened at Blackpool. Um, but no, I answered that emphatically. And it's such, such a good win against a team that hadn't conceded many goals at all, actually, this season. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, foghorn stuff, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, look, they they'd conceded three goals before yesterday's game. Coops Birmingham. Um, they had been pretty solid. Obviously, then Fulham have come and, and stuck four past them. It was one of those games where we were two 0 up at half time, and I was going like, "How are we two 0 up?" And then suddenly we were three 0 up, and again, I didn't think like Fulham had been like that emphatic. And I compared it a bit to like so many games. I feel like I've watched Fulham in the Premier League, where you play one of the top six clubs, and you feel like you're in the game. You feel like Fulham are, you know, giving. I don't know, Liverpool, Arsenal, United, a game and suddenly you come out of it and they've won 4-0 and you're not exactly 100% sure how. It felt like Fulham did that to Birmingham last night. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, we just took our chances. I think that's what it comes down to. It's like nodding to what Peter said. We never, it wasn't, we didn't, I wouldn't go as far. The scoreline suggests that we absolutely thrashed them, but it was a lot more even game than the scoreline makes out. And also I think that we just scored at the perfect times. Yeah. You know, early goal, 10 minutes, Dennis Adoy's header, settles everyone down. Penalty just before half time. All of a sudden you're going into half time 2-0 up. You're thinking, right, this is this is our game. Pretty soon after the break, was 54 minutes, Wilson. So again, settles nerve and then round it all off. We went 4-0 up, didn't we, with Mitrovic? Um, yeah. It was a very late, late penalty from Dini. So it was just, we scored at all the right times. We never felt any pressure at all. And we just took our chances. And as you said, we've seen games with Fulham go the other way and we've, we just don't seem to be able to 
hit a cow's ass with a banjo, but it went away last night. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a very comfortable, comfortable display. It was good fun all around. Um, Peter, let's come on to Harry Wilson. Um, that's what your piece was in The Athletic today, which you can read if you subscribe right now. You can get 33% off with our code if you go to theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. And yeah, your piece is on Harry Wilson and how he seems to be a, a thorn in uh, in Lee Bowyer um, every time that he's, he's come up against him. And the piece really is just, you know, lavishing praise on a player that, as you alluded to before, just is quicker mentally than than every other player on the pitch as you say he's not brilliantly fast he's not absolute super speed but he just has his all-round game and he just felt found so much space last night all the time he seemed to get in behind the Birmingham defense he was quick to pass it was just really slick and look there was lots of great performances last night Tosin certainly up there. Gazniga certainly up there. But for me, if there was a star man, and that was the chant um, back in the uh, back in the away, and it was Harry Wilson. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Sammy. And I, you, there were so many standout performances, but Wilson really does add something to this team. And it's interesting because I guess when he was signed, and I guess the sort of perception has been that he, he fits into that classic category of too good for the championship, not so good for the Premier League, but. I, I, it's, a, it's an interesting one. I mean, maybe we can debate that a little bit, but he's it, it, not really had the opportunities to show what he can do at that level. And I, I think what we're seeing now in a team that's very attack-minded, which is also important to consider, he's, he is absolutely thriving, um, especially on that right-hand side, drifting into space, the way he can just carry the ball, the way he turns, the way he reads the game, as you, as you said made such a difference and, and Lee Bowie was good value on it as well afterwards you know joking about whether he could he could loan him uh from Fulham and um and how he you know, went over to him and, and said you know you've got to stop scoring against me because I think he scored a hat-trick for, for Cardiff at St Andrews last season as well so um he just it just he just adds uh, a level of quality that to be honest is is above the championship um you know when, when I watched him at Bournemouth when he had that season in the Premier League after doing so well at Derby, it, it, it didn't really necessarily fit into the way they wanted to play. Um, rarely did they dominate the ball or or create the spaces it could exploit. And to be honest, I never really saw him as a sort of a counter-attacking player. Um, it felt it felt like that was one one thing that was holding him back, and it wasn't the type of player who'd sort of exploit the spaces. But we're we're, we're seeing exactly that. I mean, especially last night in terms of the the areas Fulham wanted to exploit, it was it was all over it. And, there's not just that, there's a set plays as well. We haven't even seen him take a free kick yet. I don't think we've had Fulham have had really a free kick on the edge of the box. Um, yeah, I can remember. But, you know, he got the assist for Dennis Adoy's opening goal. Um, and, and and to be honest, when you've got Mitrovic, who's another, you know, which is, who has had it labelled at him that he sort of doesn't quite fit in the Premier League, but it's too good for the Championship. I would sort of like to see him in an attacking team at that level and consistently, like last season, it's hard to make any kind of call on that anyway. Um, but with the two of them together, I mean, it's just it's just frightening, really, and especially if you're in opposition defence. And uh, I don't think Lee Bowie will be the the only manager to feel that way this season. He had so much to do on that goal after the amazing ball through from Chalaba. If you look at it, when he takes it on, that first touch where he takes it, knocks it across the defender's feet, any touch there, and it's an instant red. It's such a clever piece of football. And then the, to, to finish it in the way that he does, it's just brilliant. His attacking positioning is sublime. The, the space that he creates, not only the space, but also his ability to just lose his marker. And all of a sudden he pops up and he's through on goal. 
he's yeah he's an incredibly intelligent footballer we're very lucky footballer we're very lucky to have him and this team there are so many goals in it it's it's beautiful to watch Fulham Fulham play and you think you know Bobby could pick one up Harry Mitrovic like we've got just goals all over the pitch rather than just relying on that one source so yeah no, it's a very exciting time for our for our club yeah, I mean, you look at just like the, the the top scorers list for Fulham at the moment. I mean, Mitrovic is there on on six, Peter, with with a couple of assists as well. Harry Wilson now kind of second in that list, fat tied with Fabio Carvalho, three each, uh, a couple of assists for for Harry Wilson. And look, Harry's not played. Like, Harry missed three games. Andy you miss, Andy missed Saturday against Blackpool, so he's not even played fifty percent of the matches, and he's like topping the charts. It's if he gets a run of games in this team, which he's not really had yet, like the sky's the limit a little bit. Yeah, that's that's exactly it. I mean, just need to get him playing more than a couple of games in a row now, and and just him to get up to get up to some speed. I guess. I mean, I suppose if you're not playing week in week out, you you don't quite pick up that match sharpness. Not that that's been notable at all in any kind of way. Um, but yeah, exactly that. And I mean, the fact that they can spread the goals around, the fact that the burden comes off Mitrovic a bit, and you know, it's worth mentioning Mitrovic as well. Obviously, it's his birthday today, and. Um, and the way he's all around before, like the way he's playing all different aspects of his game, but his link-up play was very, very good. Um, he didn't have that number 10 yesterday. He didn't have a Carvalho or a Kina sort of buzzing around him. There was a lot more space um, that he was still able to occupy. And while, you know, Deck had ever read and, and Wilson played very, very high, almost to sort of compensate for that. Um, you know, in the, he never looked isolated. And a lot of that was to do with his own his own work. So, um yeah, I mean, in, in in an attacking sense, when you have goals across the team, that that's exactly what you need, um, especially when you're when you're trying to to, to secure promotion. And I, it's very very encouraging that Fulham can play the way they did, in a way that didn't leave you feeling nervous at any stage, um, despite the fact that you probably would say it wasn't their best performance. I don't think they retained the ball particularly well. There weren't spells where they controlled the game, which we've seen at times. Um, where you know they've got a grip on grip on it, John Michel Seri spraying the ball. That didn't really happen um last night. Um but you know, because of that threat, because of their ruthlessness, that cutting edge that they've got in attack, it it means that they can come through matches like this against tough opposition uh, and win comfortably. And it's yeah, I mean it's it's enjoyable, <laughs> particularly for, for everyone watching on. Um George, let's come on to Nathaniel Chalaber. Um, it was his debut last night and, well, he had such an impact, didn't he? Um, Peter, I enjoyed in your article uh, that you called his his block for Dennis Adoy's header an NBA-style block. It really was, wasn't it? It was like, honestly, well, it's, the, sir. it's the second time it's happened now. It's definitely something that Fulham are deploying because I think back, was it Hull, Hull at home yeah, when Richard yeah. scored that header? Exactly the same thing. I think it was uh, Tosin that day did exactly the same thing. So this is clearly something they're working on. So maybe we shouldn't highlight it too much because officials will pick up on it. But um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's proving effective. Yeah. Uh, so he did that. And then Chalaba obviously won the penalty for the second. And, and we couldn't really tell George from the away end how good that turn and like run was that he did. But when we watched the highlights, it was unbelievable. And then a brilliant pass for the third, for, for Harry Wilson, just in the perfect place. I mean, Harry Wilson must have just been thinking, thank you so much mm. um, <laughs> when that pass came through. So, you know, his debuts go for, for Nat Chalaber, brilliant. Oh yeah, a faultless performance. I thought he was fantastic and uh, he'll be one of the first names on the team sheet moving forward, no doubt. That that turn, the pirouette 
was like a ballerina just completely <laughs> spun his marker and then not he had so much to do even from that he created the space and then he had to sort of like barge his way through two players and eventually was tumbled down as you said Sammy we couldn't really see it from uh from where we've sat in the in the way end but we've watched it on repeat about six times on the train back didn't we it was just it was a beautiful bit of skill yeah and then that ball perfectly weighted it could not it could not have been more perfectly weighted. Any anything less on that, and the defenders intercepting anything more, then it might just be too much for for Harry Wilson. But I thought he was brilliant. He was physical, done presence, you know, intercepting the midfield, controlling things, linked up well with Seri. And yeah, I think it was a it was a five star debut, definitely. I really liked what um, what Chalaba said to I think it was to Fulham's uh, video channels afterwards, where he talked about that goal, the the Wilson goal. Uh, and how he'd watched clips of Wilson before, so he knew the kind of run he wanted to make, and obviously could see him had the picture in his head when Harrison Reed's got it, and Harrison hadn't seen that Wilson had the space and got it off and then sprayed it. Um, it seems like he settled in quite quickly. Obviously, he knows Silver, he knows the, the technical staff. Um, the, the Fulham boss said afterwards that you know he you know some of his teammates as well, and that makes such a difference to to hit the ground running the way he has done. And um, I think he, Silver said afterwards that he, he wanted to try and take him off after 60, 70 minutes because he's not up to speed. He hasn't played the games. Same, same as Harrison Reed, really. Um, but he was able to, you know, t- to continue that for 90 minutes. And clearly that means there's, there's more to come from him. And it was just his all round display, I think, was so, so encouraging. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a fantastic one. I noticed that on um, Instagram, he's at Chalibur. And I wondered how uh, Trevor feels about that. You know, obviously his um, um, brother who plays for, for Chelsea, but, but Nats obviously uh, bags that one, um, which which is good. And, and then let's just come on to the defence briefly, George. Uh, it was all a change. Uh, Joe Bryan uh, coming in uh, at left back. Obviously, we've got Dennis Adoy at right back, not a change, but clearly a, a change from early this season when, when there was Kenny Tete. I thought Joe Bryan Ryan was was particularly good, and and then you had Tosin with a, with a dominant dominant performance, as good as I've seen Tosin play, even in even last year when there were some impressive performances in the Prem. And what I really wanted to come on to Gazaniga, I thought he was unbelievable last night, and I think he's had some doubters, particularly after Saturday. I think people have been waiting to criticise Gazaniga because he was brought in ahead of Rodak, and that was. Uh, you know, a bold move from from Silver because Rodak's very popular. Last night, though, I thought we saw why maybe he is getting that number one jersey by by Silver. Yeah, and I think you're very right to say that he'd had his. I wouldn't say necessarily critics, but people are you know keeping a keen eye on him. And as you know, Rodak, it's a difficult one, isn't it? Because Rodak, in the eyes of many sports, has never really put a, a foot or a or a glove wrong. So it's it seems like a little bit unfair not to give him his, his shot. And people are, as you say, waiting for that mistake. And he always seems a bit shaky. But um, but I mean, it's just a bit of time to bed into the, the squad. I thought early days, his distribution, early days yesterday, his distribution was pretty poor. And there were a few times where he pinged it out uh, for, for, for throw-ins in our own half. And you're thinking, okay, it seems a bit flappy. But second half especially, pulled off two or three really, you know, top quality saves where you think about it, if, if you know, those two goals in all of a sudden, you're 3-2 up going into the final 20. So that came at quite sort of like key moments in the match. And he seems like he's growing into his, his, his role and becoming more sort of, domineering and a more assured presence so yeah I, I feel like it's early days to sort of to say yes he's definitely the right man over Rodak I think but he's starting to show his quality that's for sure 
He was very unlucky not to keep that clean sheet. I did feel sorry for him considering those saves he'd made. He'd made so many repeated ones, particularly from headers. I think there was one there was one Deeney mm. one low to his right that he had to really stretch for and, and palm around the post. Um, I think you put it quite well, Sammy. I think there is definitely that sense of waiting to st- waiting for that error, waiting for that performance that can justify the feeling of, ah, Gatsunigas shouldn't have taken Rodak's place. And, and to be fair, I mean, as George said, like there are moments where he really does give you the heebie-jeebies, uh, particularly with his distribution. I think back to the Blackpool game where he was racing out, and they had. I think he, I think there was one point where he saved Tim Ream, and, and it, there was a couple of times where he's played it long. There was one time where the ball fell to, to Birmingham's number ten, and he had he's been able to shoot from I don't know forty yards and towards an open goal. Um, so there has been those moments, but underlying it all, there, there's almost that also that feeling that there's, there's got to be something that they're seeing here. You know, we've talked about. The fact that Silva's keeper coach is Hugo Oliveira, who's worked with a lot of very, very good goalkeepers. Um, he probably knows what, what he's doing. So, And I think we did get a sense of what Gatsunika's good at, and it was those shot stopping. He was good with his feet, he was good with his hands um, in making saves. And, and he was needed, actually, at times. Um, to, to, he was called into action on several occasions, and the fact he didn't get that clean sheet was was disappointing. All of that said, it doesn't mean that, you know, it's not disappointing for Rodak. I mean, it's this year does feel more difficult. I wouldn't say the Gatsunigas leagues ahead of Rodak. I wouldn't say there's the same disparity that there was last year with with Ariola, who's clearly a elite level goalkeeper. Um and it's it's just unfortunate. And I guess the only thing and the only concern is what that means for Rodak who will want to be playing. There's, there's no doubt about that. He was disappointed last year, he'll be even more disappointed this year. I'm even more disappointed this year. So it's a difficult one, but you know, if Gatsunig is going to play like that, if if chopping his locks off produces saves saves of that ilk, then um, you know, can't can't complain really. The the opposite of Sansom. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting I mean, better. <laughs> yeah, we all do want to see him do well and there's there's no doubt there's a quality keeper there. And I remember when um when Hangelin first joined, the first few games of his Fulham career he looked very sort of nervous and shaky and it, it happens it just takes a little while to bed in and I'm, I'm sure that we'll see see Gaza come good he uh, yeah it was a brilliant performance yesterday yeah indeed well look uh, it leaves Fulham top of the tree Peter back up to uh, 16 points uh, West Brom have drawn a couple of games in a row so Fulham have kind of managed to, to regain that top spot and, and you'd like to think now we'll preview Reading in a bit more detail in a moment but with the games coming up Reading, Bristol City, Swansea that surely now this is the opportunity to kind of right the wrongs of of Blackpool and and and, and start getting a bit of daylight that's certainly what you'd thought Marco and the team will be looking to do before the next international break now. Exactly that. It's, it's building momentum and sustaining it. I think we we had that uh, before the international break, and, and the international break does what international break does. It it's, it snaffles that out sometimes. Um, with those fixtures, they are games that are winnable. Um, particularly the, the ones you've just mentioned there coming up, and uh, I wonder if this. I mean, it was always going to be an important. I say this every month, really. That it's an important month, but. What, what's what's interesting about this coming set of fixtures is is the the three day turnarounds, the four day turnarounds, more so than we we've had before. How Fulham will react to that? How Fulham will react to rotation? There was a question mark over whether Silver wants to rotate. He did rotate, and it, it worked well um, last night, particularly the midfield three. So Josh Oliver was injured. Silver said afterwards. Um, okay. Harrison Reed came in. John Michel Seri uh, 
just been been a staple in there, uh, and and obviously Nathaniel Chalabar adds another another dimension as well. And having that ability to ch- to bring players in, Joe Bryan, you mentioned, thought he did really really well. Um, I, he's another one of those players, a bit like Mario Rodak, hasn't really done anything wrong, other than just lose his place to someone who's picked up form. And we can see what Anthony Robinson does on a good day. So it was nice to see him actually get a get an opportunity actually. Um, but yeah, going back to the point, that this is a good good opportunity to one build momentum utilize that squad properly and, and 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 actually build that daylight it it looks like we're getting an idea of who's going to be amongst it um it looks like west brom are doing well and also scott parker's bournemouth um have started very very well uh they're those two are the only unbeaten sides in the division i think now yeah um so be interesting to see if they can they can sustain that um going forward but you know once once we get into this run i think we will start to see the league pulling apart a little bit and and, be, and Fulham will want to do that. Fulham need to do that. They don't want to be at risk of hitting a blip, at risk of hitting some kind of injury crisis, at risk of just stumbling into the chasing pack. You know, when you're on top, you've got to stay on top and, and that's what they'll have to hammer home. I mean, you look at the table now, George, it, it, it's the table is now starting to not lie. You know, Fulham have got the most goals in division and the fewest conceded, the biggest goal difference. And I also uh, did a bit of quick, uh, maths earlier, fag packet maths. We've scored 17 goals in seven games. If we kept that up over the entire season, that's 111 goals. Oh, glorious. <laughs> Let's, well, we, can, we can only pray. But I mean, there's goals in the same, as I said earlier, and you, you know, there's so many sources in which we could pop up from, and it's the most, uh, you know, looking back to the sort of slab days with the 22 undefeated, the last time that we were sort of scoring so freely, and um, and yeah, no, as you say, you, you, you're starting to get an idea of the table. You know, we're a good few games into the season now, starting to bed in, and you see the usual suspects. I think, um, yeah, we've got some tough games coming up. Um, who have we got? Obviously, we've got Coventry, QPR. Um, but yeah, no, I think I think it, the the table's starting to take shape, and I for one can't see us dropping below the top two for the majority of the season. Well, I don't want to tempt fate, obviously, but I, yeah. I, from everything that I've seen so far, I, I've got every faith in this this side, and I'm, I feel good. I feel looking forward to going to every match. <laughs> Do you remember that season of dread, uh, that feeling of dread last season, like before each game, like oh here we go. Whereas now I'm absolutely buzzing for each yeah. game. Yeah. Um. So yeah, long may it continue. I mean, I have a weird one because I didn't go to Blackpool, and I almost like didn't watch the entire match. I've, I've watched some of it back. So in my eyes, Fulham have just kind of continued where they left off against Stoke. We're still just brilliant. Like, what? I don't understand. I, did, I just didn't make, and also I'm also quite happy because maybe, you know, last season I had the curse and I never saw Fulham win. And I'm, just, <laughs> I'm just wondering if the old curse baton has been passed to Mr. Jack Collins and nothing, nothing makes me happier than that. Apart from obviously I don't want Fulham to lose, but you know, it's quite nice to um, put the ball on the other foot for a change. All right, we're going to take a break and afterwards we're going to look ahead to Reading on Saturday. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast, and it's Sammy with George Cooper. Hello, mate. And Peter Rutzler. Hello. Let's look ahead then to Reading on Saturday at Craven Cottage. First time back at the cottage in three weeks, so it'll be nice to uh, have another home match day again. And yeah, Reading, what to make of them this season? One of the odd teams in the championship. I think you can include uh, a team like Huddersfield in that bracket where you just don't know what you're really going to get. They'd had a pretty awful season until the last week and then suddenly started becoming free scoring, or in other words, John Swift started becoming 
upcoming free scoring. Uh, a 3-1 victory over Peterborough on, on Tuesday night with, with John Swift scoring an unbelievable free kick. And then John Swift getting a hat-trick against QPR on Saturday uh, in a 3-3 draw at the Medeski. But before that, I got battered by Huddersfield at home, lost it to Coventry away, who, who, to be fair, are doing very well this season. So, yeah, Peter, it's it's hard to know exactly what to predict is going to turn up for uh, with Reading on Saturday. But what I think we can predict is that Fulham should still be far too strong for, for them. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, they should be too strong for them. They're an interesting team. I mean, they, they've scored 13 goals this season, which I think is tied second in the league. Yeah. Uh, yeah, tied, so, tied, tied third. Uh, QPR tied scored third. fifteen. <clears throat> to apologise to QPR. Um, yeah, no, and then they've conceded the most, joint most, uh, with, with Peterborough. So, um, <laughs> considering the amount of goals Fulham are scoring, I mean that bodes bodes quite well. Um, they're an interesting team, aren't they? I mean, uh, there were a few worries for them after the summer. I mean, they lost uh, Michael Elise. Uh, to Crystal Palace and obviously Omar Richards as well, formerly of of, of this parish, of course, at Fulham um, for a little while before he was released. Um, and then they had the transfer embargo too. So it's been, it's, it's, it's not been an easy summer for them. I mean, when they did finally were able to get some players in, they, they sort of, it's sort of like an old school, same before an old school QPR sort of recruitment uh, in junior Hoylet, Scott Dan, uh, Danny Drinkwater, flying in to, to try and lift them a little bit. Um but as you he's say had, he's had he's had a fall from grace, hasn't he? Yeah, just 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 slightly I I would say. So um there's there's some good quality in there. And I think that the fact that they're scoring goals is a positive. That's probably one of the most encouraging signs and it means that they they, they will probably pose a threat. But again, you know, Fulham should be should be dealing with them quite comfortably and um where they sort of end up at the end of the season under Avalko Pinovich. Um We'll have to see, really. I think, I think, I think to be to be honest, most expected them to struggle because of because of how the market played out in the summer. Um, they've picked up some decent results. I mean, a free free draw with QPR is pretty good. So, haven't quite got to those sort of catastrophe levels yet, but certainly not the side that, of course, raced into the playoffs at the first half of the season last year and uh, and then fell away. So, interesting balance to to see what how they present themselves at the weekend. I mean, Coops, there is one clear danger here and that is um, John Swift. And, and you were particularly impressed with the uh, hat-trick that he scored against QPR last week. I mean, you should always be impressed by a hat-trick, but it was a particularly impressive one. Yeah, without a doubt. The, the quality of the goals was was superb. The first goal, um, I was saying to you, it's like a, a less impressive version of uh, Kasami's goal slash... Um, Simon Davies against Hamburg where he, he kind of takes he takes it on his chest in his stride and then and just belts it with his right foot in the in the bottom right hand corner all in one movement a very 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 technically impressive goal and I mean just looking at his stats he's the most productive player in the football league he's got had seven goals three assists obviously three of them come in that um, hat-trick against against QPR but he I think Fulham's success on Saturday will will uh, be determining whether we can keep this man quiet. I mean, he's it's it's a shame. A hamstring injury kept him out for the majority of last season. I think he only made sort of like just over sort of 10, 10 appearances. And um, you can see that he's really, really hit a rich vein of form. The free kick that he scored yesterday, last night um, against Peterborough was from miles out. He just absolutely thumped it. And he's he's a very, very creative playmaker. Everything that Reading have done that's been impressive so far this season has come through him. And uh, yeah, we hope that we can 
keep him quiet. But yeah, he's he's the one to watch with, without a shadow of a doubt. His uh, his goal conversion rate is seventy percent, which is absolutely <laughs> mental. <laughs> he's had ten shots and scored seven. So uh, yeah, that 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 takes some doing. I mean, yeah. Reading have always loved to defy the statistics. I'll never forget the season that. Um, they beat us in the playoffs and they were kind of like the XG uh, mongers. They were like the anti XG team who were just, <laughs> you know, all, all the people that look at kind of expected points and expected goals were saying like, Oh yeah, Huddersfield should be now. Na- sorry, Reading should be nowhere near here. Huddersfield were another team that were um, defying the XG that particular season. And it really wound Reading fans up when people should say that they shouldn't be anywhere near the top six. They should be like 14th. And look, I kind of see both sides of the argument. I kind of understand what expected points, expected goals means, but also football is played on the football pitch. And last night it would have been a two, two draw between Fulham and Birmingham city. If, uh, if XG was to have its way. So I kind of see both sides of, of the argument, but yeah, certainly John Swift seems to be the man that Fulham need to take a look at tomorrow. And um, Peter, interesting what we went with last night, where we went with the middle three of Chalabar, Seri and Reed. That was partially down to injury to Josh Onoma and, and, and Fabio Carvalho continues to be out with a, with a toe injury. But it was a different setup last night. We didn't play with the number 10. It was a more kind of 4-3-3. And we know that all three of those players are slightly more defensively minded. There's no real creative flair player out, out of those three. But it was very, very effective. And as you say, it allowed Decatover Reed and Harry Wilson to play really high without that kind of fear of having to, you know, constantly track back and look behind them. Um, do you think Fulham will mix it up again, though, for, for, for Reading at home on Saturday? Slightly different prospect to what we had against Birmingham last night. Yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely an interesting setup in that even, even if, say, you sort of didn't want to play Dominguez Kino in, in as the 10. I know he had quite a difficult debut against Blackpool and probably needs to be eased in a little bit. Um, obviously, there's not been Fabio Carvalho. You, you, you would probably presume that, say, Josh Onoma could play in there or, or a Harry Wilson, for example, but he decided not to do it. And it's it, what's been, what's been um, interesting to follow with, with Fulham this season is that Silva has a clear idea about what he wants to do and how he wants his teams to play. He plays with the 4-3-3. And if there's going to be tweaks, it's going to be in that sort of midfield area. Um, I was debating a couple of people on Twitter about this, but you know he wants just the one number six. He said on Tuesday in his pre-match press conference because we're asking about Harrison Reed and so where does he fit into the team. Um, but he sees Harrison Reed as a six. He's a number six, just like John Michel Serrin. That with a bit of time and some training, he could probably do the number eight role, which he then did on Wednesday night. So read into that what you, read into that what you will. Um, he's number six. He's number six. He's number six. He's number eight. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but what what's interesting to take from that is that he he will stick with that one and then the two and then where, where the change comes in is in those two two eights those midfielders one in, as we've seen beforehand throughout August and then against Blackpool would be a bit more of a boxer box type player someone who's going backwards much more forwards and then obviously the other one is almost a ten and basically is a ten I mean you know Fabio Carvalho is a number ten and he plays that way I mean he, his work rate is what probably sets him apart is what a lot of people have said uh, you know even when he in, in the younger age groups it's it's such a great asset to have an attribute to have that someone is creative and wants to be so influential in that position will work that hard gun the other way too um so where the tweaks come in is is how he's going to use that. And obviously we saw on, on, on Wednesday night against Birmingham that it was Reed and Chalobah, two players who aren't creative, as you say, Sammy, who aren't really tens in any sense of the sense of the word, playing in that role. And 
then the flip side was that allowed the, the wingers to get forward. So there is sort of versatility in what is a quite a clearly defined tactical setup. Um, I imagine if Carvalho is fit, he would come back into the team. We've, we've seen the quality he brings, the influence he can have on and off the ball. Um, I think with a home game against a team that's conceding a lot of goals, I think that would make sense to do that. Um, touch and go whether he's fit. As you say, it's a toe injury. I'm not sure of the extent of Josh Onoma's injury. Um, I do wonder if maybe he could play as that 10, that the sort of player that could push on a little bit more. We, we saw him uh, last season, uh, last time following the championship, I think, getting quite close yeah. to Mitrovic at times. was really, really effective doing that. Um, I actually thought that even John Serry could have could have played that role a little bit if he wanted to, but uh, he's, he's, he's very much enjoying his deep-lying playmaking roles, I think. Um, so yeah, very interesting to see what he does. And I imagine it would depend a lot on, on Carvalho's fitness, but it seems seems as though he'd rather keep Wilson on that right-hand side as well, which is the other the other one you might you could possibly say could go in there. Yeah, I mean, Wilson's looking so good off the right. It would seem nuts to kind of change his position now, but he's also a very talented and very versatile player, so I'm sure could do it if required. Um, George, I guess the, the other debate that is there now, because I thought Joe Bryan was particularly impressive on Wednesday, is that and, and Anthony Robinson had a difficult day um, against Blackpool. I think partially jet lag induced. And I think Marco Silva, he probably wouldn't admit it, but I think made a mistake there playing Robinson so soon after coming back from, from the US. But I think Joe Bryan's maybe giving Marco Silva a little bit of... Um, Food for thought. I guess maybe with so many games coming up in the in the next few weeks, you've obviously got Leeds in the Cup on Tuesday. Uh, the week after that, we've got Swansea at home on the, on the Tuesday. So we may start to see a bit of a Robinson Bryan rotation on the left, which is a wonderful um, benefit to have, really. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, what a yeah, what a position to be in. What what a luxury to have two very solid, very solid left backs. I wouldn't even be um, against seeing Brian played in a further forward role and seeing Robinson as well and seeing how they could link up. And a, a few people in the Fulham fan base have been sort of saying this for a while and I, I figure why not? But I think um, on the sort of overall, I would probably still um, want to see Robinson over, over Brian, only just a smidge really, just because of what he can offer um, on the overlap going forward. Um, Robinson that is with his, with his pace and, and versatility and also his defensive um defensive strengths but uh, yeah as you said it's a re- really really fortunate position to be in and yeah one that I can't remember the last time we, we had this luxury of choice really mm. um so yeah no it's, it's it's great it really is um who, who would you prefer just out of interest if it, on providing that they're both fit obviously or does it depend purely on the opposition they're up against I think for me, it slightly depends on the opposition. I find it hard to, I think with my head, I say Robinson. With my heart, I say Joe Bryan because yeah. I just love Joe Bryan as a person. And nothing against Anthony, that actually, because who also seems like a really solid lad, but we all just have this thing for Joe Bryan, don't we? Um, and and, and what, he, what he's done at the club and those goals that he scored in the playoff final and stuff. So yeah, head says Robinson, but heart always with Joe Bryan. It's, you know, it's, it's interesting that sort of, you know, Bryan can play further forward, you know, option and, and link the two I, was, I do wonder actually if that might be reversed a little bit and you could maybe play Robinson more advanced and I know I know the issue with Robinson has always been sort of his, his end product but if you think about like the physical qualities that he has one of his best attributes is his speed and that could be very very effective you know in a forward line and I think of the two considering that Robinson's younger in terms of their development who could actually maybe step up um, and I don't, I don't want to compare him to, to some of the fullbacks who have done that. Um, the one, obviously, that we'd probably be more familiar with would be Gareth Bale. 
but I'm not saying that Anthony Robinson is like Gareth Bale, so please, please, people don't take that out of context. But, <laughs> but in terms of what Gareth Bale was very good at in those early days as a fullback, it was to do with his speed and and and, and being able to get in behind. And uh, there could even be a case that I mean, it's very difficult man, because of I mean the quality from having attack. I mean, good luck really in in, in one sense. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, and as, as you guys say, like the the choice is great, and it's it's good for Joe Bryan because Joe Bryan is, has always been an attacking fullback, and I think in this system, you know, we've talked about how important fullbacks are for Silver and and those overlaps, and why he wanted a similar profile to Kenny Tetter after he, after his injury. We've seen Robinson thriving, and I don't see any reason why the same can't be uh, can't happen for for Joe Bryan um, because his he, he is most effective when he's when he's getting forward when he's adding things to 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 the team's attack so and I think we saw glimpses of that last night it sort of built it grew into the game and was really really influential as well um even though it was actually a little bit more reserved both him and, and Dennis because of Birmingham's wing backs so they yeah. wanted to peg those back so uh but he did that really really well so yeah why why, why not but uh yeah just curious a thought on that Robinson Brian Peter's next athletic article Anthony Robinson, the next Gareth Bale. No, 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 no. Straight after the, um, the, uh, the, the drinking on the train article that we're, that we're waiting yeah. for. from The, the, the from, from my, my, my editor saw that and he, he, he seemed quite up for it. So no, you're just, you're just, you're just winding um, me up here, aren't you? Here we go. Here we go. Get Love the fog Peter's, Peter's on the bit. I love it. Okay, right. We're going to take a break. Uh, then afterwards, we're going to get onto some articles that Peter actually has written, not other in fantasy land. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast. It's Sammy here with George and Peter. Um, Peter's confirmed in the break that it was not a joke. So um, he's got me very, very excited. Um, <laughs> let's come on to your article about Adrian Pagazzetti. Um, class young Fulham midfielder made his debut in the cup against Birmingham City away a couple of weeks ago. Uh, it be interesting to see if he gets the nod uh, against Leeds on Tuesday night in the, uh, in the Carabao Cup. And it was a fascinating one when... Pagazzetti went into that lineup. I, I don't think there's too many times where I look at a lineup and go, oh, I don't really know anything about you. Most young players, even players that I've not seen a huge amount, you kind of hear their names loads and loads and loads before they get that first team berth. Pagazzetti, I knew barely anything about. So yeah, I really enjoyed this one, Peter, because you, you, we got a little bit more in depth with, with a player that clearly um, has a big potential, but also a lot of work to do if he wants to get into Fulham's very talented midfield. Yeah, no, he does. I think even more so since the, the new arrivals have come in and, uh, you know, he was, I think he was very grateful for the opportunity that he got to, to play. And it was nice to actually to catch up with him and to speak to him. It was after the 23s game last week where, you know, that 23s team now are really, really solid, really good team. I mean, it was Tyrese Francois and Adrian Pagazzetti in midfield, which was the same that lined up against Birmingham City in the Carabao Cup and won 2-0. So, um there's clearly a lot of strengths to him. Sessegnon, Marlon Fossey, Jay Stansfield played that game. Um, there's Ollie O'Neill coming through as well. And and, and Adrian too, as you say, he was, he was, it was, he's one that I don't think Fulham fans were particularly aware of. Um, he's, he's similar age to Fabio Carvalho, another one who's actually stepped up quite quickly, stepped into the 23s last year. It was thought it was going to be quite gradual, but by the second half of the season, was was playing pretty much every week for, for the 23s, captained them towards the end of the season. Um, and yeah, he's, he's, he's one who's, you know, 
clearly caught the eye in those training games in preseason, something that had been reduced during the pandemic. And we talked last season quite a lot about the limitations that were being imposed on the separate bubbles and why that made it difficult, say, for, for Scott Parker to look at these youngsters and actually bring them in. Um, haven't had that now. Those youngsters are definitely involved. And Silva's been giving them opportunities. Um, they've been helped by the fact that there were injuries and there was the stuff with Anguissa not, not necessarily being, wanting to play. And uh, and, and Pachisiti came in, did really well, I thought. I mean, he played 90 minutes. He said he was shocked to, to play the full 90. Um, looked completely at home at that level. Um, he's a Kosovo under-21 international. He made his debut for Kosovo under-21s against England in the international break. Uh, so we talked a little bit about that as well. And and yeah, just a little bit of background to him. He's, he's from North London and um, grew up playing some cage football and is now a midfielder who, as you say, Sammy, has modelled his game sort of on Modric. And, and you can see that in, the, in his sort of languid and, and very tidy style that he that he possesses in midfield. So he's, he's one to keep an eye on, I think. He's one who... Um, will be looking to try and get a, bit, a few more minutes and and it's probably at the point where he can play at a senior level. It, it would just be a case of finding the right sort of fit, which is which is interesting because it's something that applies to a few of these Fulham youngsters, like, say, Tyrese Francois, who is a brilliant player technically, but finding the right fit, would a League 1 or League 2 loan necessarily work for him? Or would it be beneficial to maybe something abroad? How feasible actually is that? So uh, those are the kind of discussions I think that would be interesting to have with him. But one that's come onto the radar and another another player who's come through what is a really talented generation of, of youngsters at, uh, at Mosper Park. Yeah. I always hear cage football and kind of imagine cage <laughs> wrestling. Like, you know, when, <laughs> when they're in that circular ring. <laughs> like, it's UFC stuff. Yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's, it's, it's great to see um, Pajaziti kind of make that debut. And, and it's, the influx of youth this season has been an extra sprinkling of fun in, in, in watching Fulham this year. Last year was so poor in terms of us getting youth players into, into the side. And that's just been an, an extra, just great little nugget really sporting Fulham. It's, it's always fantastic when you see Academy prospects get their chances. And finally it looks like Fulham's um, Academy is really, really starting to bear fruit. Um, another article um, that, that came out last week, Peter is uh, the athletic were looking into kind of famous uh, memorable debuts. And uh, you did a piece about uh, Pavel Pogrebniak, potentially the greatest debut of all time and the best debut three matches of all time. I, I loved reading this one. He, was real um they were really heady days I think when 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 Progrebniak was just in full form and it felt like Fulham could beat anyone in the Premier League that season yeah it was a it was a nice one to do because obviously I sort of stretched it a bit to do the three games and you couldn't really not because of the impact you have and it was the quickest first five Premier League goals um of any player coming into the league and uh, obviously, there was the stuff with Bobby Zamora leaving and then obviously going to QPR in the second game scoring the winner um, really added to that. And, uh, and you know, it was, it was nice to hear from Danny Murphy as well to provide some insight of what Pavel Pogrebniak was like and as a player in the dressing room and how they all sort of felt about him during that period and how they thought they'd just signed, you know, a world-class centre-forward, the best player in the world. He's just come in and just scoring and he's got a perfect hat-trick. So I thought it was quite a good fit. There's a few a few potential potential ones I could have used for that, I think. Um, I think Milan and Petric was one we, we discussed. And... Um, but yeah, Pogrebniak does definitely stands out for that. So, so it was good fun to do it. 
Yeah, because you, 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 you asked Jack and I about like, oh, is there any like real memorable debuts from, from down the years? And, and, and yeah, Petrich was the one that came to mind for me. And then I think it was Jack that suggested Pogrebniak. And um, of course, of course, the best kind of opening three games. I was in that um, away end, George. I don't know if you were at, um, at Loftus Road. No, when, of course I was. When he, when and that was such a big game as well. It was um, Mark Hughes had gone to QPR and when we were livid about it because he'd said that, you know, Fulham lack ambition and that's why he joined QPR, who then went down that season. And actually, in hindsight, some of Hughes's comments weren't maybe as inaccurate as they seemed at the time, but we were certainly delighted by winning that particular game. And, and, and Pogrebniak was an absolute hero the way he rounded it at the away end as well. It was, it was one of those magic Fulham moments. I remember it being glorious sunshine. I can't remember what time of year it was, but it was just a beautiful blue sky, crisp in the lower tier of that Loftus Road. Oh, it was it was electric. I probably would have been about fifteen at the time, which is optimum. You know, when you first start going to away days, and it's the only thing that you care or think about. <laughs> I remember singing, "We're better than you. We're better than you. Fuck your ambition. We're better than you." And yeah, it was, uh, yeah. It was just it was just the, the perfect away day. Really, I think it was my first time at Loftus Road. I remember thinking it looked like a kind of Heinz baked bean tin, but um, but I love do always love going to, to Loftus Road, and that was definitely the, the most special in the recent memory. Yeah. yeah, I more enjoy going to Loftus Road because we tend to get a good result there every time I've uh, ever been, apart from the time that Adelta Raptor started, decided to uh, turn up and uh, sink us one time. Other than that, we've got a pretty positive record there. But yeah, uh, check out all those pieces and more from Peter. Uh, there'll be more coming up in the coming days, uh, reacting to the Birmingham game and uh, obviously reacting to the Reading game. So if you want to subscribe to The Athletic, go to theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod uh, and you can get The Athletic for 33% off. So uh, Coops, you're going to be hosting the podcast on Sunday looking back at all the uh, all the shenanigans from Reading yeah no I'm looking forward to it it's first time in the uh, the hosting seat for a little while so um, I've got a few things up my sleeve but yeah it should be good fun <laughs> a few songs I imagine yeah a few, a few little um, ditties I've dusted out the old guitar and um, and yeah I've, I've, I've put pen to paper we'll see how they go uh, I've, I've got a few potentials in the pipeline so uh, yeah tune in tune in to hear some very bad parodies and uh, poor attempts to try and get some songs going on the terraces if it if it's anything like uh, Le Passion Merchant song that you did for Anthony Knockout all those years ago <laughs> Coops then uh, I'm sure it'll be astounding alright well thank you very much for listening today and thank you very much to my guest Miss George Cooper Cheers, Sammy. And Peter Rutzler. Uh, thank you, Sammy. Always a pleasure. And uh, thank you, everyone, that gave us some warm wishes for Fulhamish's fifth anniversary the other day. Uh, we, we keep going strong, and hopefully there's at least another five years in us uh, yet. So thank you to all the messages yesterday. Have a good weekend. Hopefully Fulham can make it plus three against Reading on Saturday. You whites. You whites. <laughs>